You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. As you may or may not know, we are in the middle of a preaching series called Stronger, Deeper, Stronger, Deeper. And we're doing this series for a few reasons. We really believe that God is calling us as a church to be a big and strong church. Big, not just for the sake of big, but because we are in a big city with big need. Three, over three million people in Greater Manchester That represents a lot of need, but we're not intimidated by that size. We're not thinking, oh, you know, how can we do this? We're doing what Pastor Raffaro was teaching us when he was praying earlier on, is that we're looking at the size of our God, not the size of the need. So we're gonna, we, we feel God's calling us to be a big church and we're unashamed about that. But not just big in numbers, we wanna be big in strength so that when people encounter God, including you at our church, it's not here today, gone tomorrow, but in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, we're all still loving God, serving God, transforming the community that we're in through an overflow of the internal transformation that's happening in us, stronger, deeper. And so what we've been doing over these last few Sundays, starting on week one with Pastor Mark, we talked about prayer. And we've been sort of taking some of the elements of our services, our kind of uh, common ingredients, and we've been pausing for a moment just to make sure that the whole church understands why we come together to do that. We don't have time in all of our our services at each point to pause the service and and sort of give an explanation. And so we take it that people know and understand, but we wanted to take a few weeks to get everybody on the same page so that after listening to Pastor Mark's message on week one about prayer, that when Darren came up in this service today and said, hey, we're gonna pray. And he encouraged us to respond going here and here so that we could be prayed for. That is working better because people are going, right, yes, I know why we do this. Week two, Pastor Paul, wherever he is, preached powerfully on worship. And the reason we did that is because we don't want you to miss the praise and the worship. We want you to come early to church and recognise, you may be thinking to yourself, when I come early for church, they do that weird game thing at the beginning. Like what is Rafaro doing? Like some kind of mime, like charades. Let's just get on with the service. I'll let you in on a secret. The reason we're doing that is because if we didn't do that, you wouldn't join in the first song. Because you'd spend the first song kind of warming up a little bit, standing up, saying hello to the person next to you, or the second song, or for some of you, the third song. And so we do that so that you're already kind of loosened up, ready to go, so that when we hit the first praise song, you don't miss out on the potential breakthrough because we know praise comes before a breakthrough. Just so you know that. Last week we talked about the tithe 
And if you missed last week's message, I want to personally, not invite you, I want to personally challenge you to go back on our YouTube channel and watch Pastor Glynn's message from last week about the powerful principle of the tithe and how it, not him, not, not Pastor Glynn, but how it, the promise in the word, guarantees breakthrough in your life when you apply or you commit to a spiritual discipline like that. Is that okay? And also, we're doing it so that you can understand why we come together to do it. The Bible says, don't, don't, um, let, me, <laughs> let me check how it's worded. I don't want to say what the Bible says, and it's actually what Paul says. Just give me a second. It says, don't, uh, let us not neglect our meeting together. And so that is why we're coming together and doing all this. We've been giving journals out for the last few weeks. If you have your journal, then I would take it out now because we're going to get into today's message and I'm going to read a key scripture for you. If you missed it, then it's because you didn't come for the last three weeks. And so therefore, you're on your phone or you're writing on your hand or you're doing something. But make sure you're ready to take some notes. Uh, and also, let me say, you've got to come back tonight. Just give me, through the medium of a woo, how, not yet, I've not even said it yet. You, just, you guys just woo for anything. I don't know what we're wooing for, but woohoo. <laughs> if you thought last week's discipleship night was just outstanding, woo now. It's a high level woo right there. Last week, Pastor Glynn was teaching us how to read the Bible. And I want to promise you that if you come tonight, it will transform your prayer life. We're going to talk about how to pray, but we're going to give you five ways, five different ways that you can pray so that every week, every day or so, you can switch it up, change the way that you're praying so that you can actually go through on your New Year's resolution, which is I'm going to be a person of prayer this year. And instead of getting to mid-Jan and going, oh, well, I've not really got into it. We're going to be like still praying with like, like fervency. <laughs> with some fire come February and March and April. So you've got to come back tonight. Come at five, right? So that you can get a coffee, get your seat, soak up the atmosphere. If you were going to watch the football, you'd get there early and you would, and, and make sure that you got the most out of the experience. We've got, you've got to come back tonight, okay? We've got four speakers, five different ways to pray, and it's going to be awesome. Is that okay? Yeah. Magic. All right, so, key scripture for today's message is 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And it says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful Here's what it's useful for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, which, I, oh, I did put that on as well. Verse 17 says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The title of today's message is quite simply, read the book. Read the book. Now, I've used that phrase for two reasons. One, because I was trying to think of like a clever title that would be like, you know, sort of creative. And you'd be like, ooh, what's that? But then I realized when you were driving home and someone said, what did the preacher speak about? You'd go, I don't know. 
So I thought I'd go simple, okay? So when you're driving home and someone says, what did the preacher preach about? You just can say, read the book. That's the first reason. The second reason is because it's one of Pastor Glynn's favourite phrases that you have no doubt heard him say from this platform is that if we want to get somewhere in God, we've got to read the book. Now, I don't want to be insulting and make it like super simple, but I think it would be good for us to come together and just ask God to show us the power of what we have that's going to help us grow both stronger and go deeper for all the reasons we already said in, in, the, in the intro, because you've got to read the book. I don't know if you've ever had something in your possession and you didn't realise how powerful it was. And when you discovered, you were like, oh, I was being a bit casual with that. We're renovating our house at the moment. And by at the moment, I mean for the last two decades. <laughs> okay, a bit dramatic, but there you go. That's me. Maybe, maybe the last few years. And, um, and Stan, my friend Stan. Where's Stan? Give me a wave, Stan. He'll hate me for doing this. There he is. Stan is an electrician. And so he has been great and, and really helped us on our house. But I said to him, don't worry, I'll put the cables in. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I said, I'll put the cables in. You just connect them up. Because that's how simple it is to me, but it's not. And when Stan and, and, and his, his kind of um, work friends came, they, they were a lot more careful as trained professionals around these live cables where I was like, oh, is this on? <laughs> I was way more casual. And Stan was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've got to turn off the power. I said, well, I'll know if it's on, won't I? He said, yeah, you will know. And I didn't realise that what I had in my hand had the power of life and death in it. And I was just sort of like casually swinging it around my head and just being really chilled about it. And Stan, who knows how powerful it is, was like, whoa, whoa, you're not seeing how powerful what you have is. And I just wonder if that is a picture of what we're like with the Word of God. That we have something in our pockets, because most of us read it on our phones, on our tablets. And if you're old school, you have between leather bound covers, something so powerful that it has the potential, like even more than a live cable of life and death are in the pages of this book. Growing up, my youth pastor would say that the Bible is like an instruction manual for life. And it's probably a good analogy, but I was a teenager thinking instruction manuals are boring. <laughs> and when you get your new PlayStation, you open it, you get the instruction manual and you chuck it over your shoulder. Because what you want is the quick start guide, which just says, plug it in, plug it in. <laughs> just being a teenager, it was before my voice broke. GCSE drama, guys. Great see. You want to plug it in, switch it on, you want to play. So an instruction manual is an okay way of looking at it, but it doesn't do justice for the power of what you have in your hand. Another person told me once that the Bible is like a textbook. <laughs> Tricolor. Do you remember that French textbook, Tricolor? No. It's because of my private education that you don't know. I'm joking, I'm joking, it's not. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. It's so sharp it could even divide joint and marrow and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Bible is not just an instruction manual or a textbook. It's a spotlight. It's a mirror. It's a sword. It is so many things. The Bible is not just a book. It's 66 books, if you didn't know that, written by over 30 different authors over hundreds of years, written in different languages, but then translated into English along with 2,845 other languages in 157 different countries, impacting billions of people all over the globe. There are 20 million Bibles sold every year, 1.6 million Bibles sold every month, which means 384,615 Bibles sold every week, which means today 54,945 Bibles are sold around the world. The Bible is the most illegal book in the world, smuggled into more countries than anything else, stolen by more people than anything else, the most printed, read, smuggled, stolen, memorized book in all of human history. But more than all that, because so what you might say, the Bible is the final authority on the things of faith. And as we prayed in our pre-service meeting this morning, we are people of faith. So I've got four things for you, four reasons why we come together every Sunday around the Word of God and why you should recognise the power of what you have on your phone or tablet or in the pages of a printed Bible. The first one is this, why do we read the Bible? Why do we use the Bible in all of our church services? The first reason is because it is forever. The Bible is forever, so read the book. This is powerful. Mark 13, 31 says this, heaven and earth shall disappear, but my words stand sure forever. The Bible is the basis of our church. We are an unashamed, unapologetically Bible-based church. We love the Bible and our church is here for the long haul. We can't base ourselves on the latest trend or fashion or things that are here today and gone tomorrow because they will be here today and gone tomorrow. So as a church, we're only 15 years into our journey, but our plan is to be here for all of the time that we have ahead of us. And so therefore we can't base ourselves on a style. Now we have a style. But if you've been in our church for that short length of time, really in the grand scheme of things, 15 years, you will look back at photographs and listen to songs from just 10 years ago and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Can you remember when we did that song? Can you remember when that was the cool thing in church? But what will never change is the Word of God. It is forever and thank God it's forever. Now people say, 
that we are a contemporary church. And you could, that's, that's a good observation. We are contemporary. But what you have to recognise is the word contemporary literally has in it the word temporary. So our, our, our unique selling point can't be that we're contemporary, which means kind of keeping up with the, with the trends and the fashions. That's, that's not the principal thing about us as a church. And you might come to our church and go, oh, I didn't know churches could be contemporary. But the problem with contemporary is that it's temporary. And what is cool today is not cool tomorrow. So if you want to know what sort of church we are, we'll be different next week because we'll do a new song. Mary's brought another new song out today. We're all trying to keep up with the words and dance to that mid-tempo beat that's not quite fast and not quite slow. That stuff will always be part of our church, but I tell you what will always be solid, fixed, foundational through our church is the Word of God because it's forever. Before there was anything else, there was the Word. The Bible says in, one, in John chapter 1, in the beginning the Word already existed. What that means is, and this is why it's significant and why I'm showing you, is because in an ever-changing world where everything changes all of the time, you have, we have one thing that never changes. I don't know about you, but the COVID pandemic, and I know we're kind of trying not to talk about it that much anymore, but one thing that it did is that it took some things that were fixed in our hearts and minds, some things that we never thought would change, and it messed with them. And the fallout of that, the effect of that on our mental health and our well-being, we're still seeing it happen. People who had careers, lifelong careers in one thing, their lives now look completely different. People who had like habits in one area of their lives now completely different. But the Word of God, you can guarantee when you wake up in the morning and you fearfully turn on your phone to check social media and think, oh gosh, what's happened now? Is there another war? Is there another crime wave? Is there this? Is there that? Is the other? You can flick on your Bible app and say, thank God. It's still there. It still stands. It's still true. No matter what, the Bible is forever. So read the book. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. The Bible is forever, so read the book. The second thing is, it's the words of God. Words. I've underlined the S because of the verse that I read in John that says, in the beginning was the word. We understand, or maybe you don't, but, but uh, some of us know that the word, capital letter, is speaking about Jesus. He is the word of God. And so we can be, um, we can miss the fact that the Bible is the words lowercase w, and I've put a capital S to emphasise the fact that if you want to know what God is saying, you don't need to meditate on top of a hill. You can, and maybe you should. We're actually going to talk about meditation tonight. But you are able to know what God is saying because of the, the scripture that I read right at the top of this message. All scripture is God-breathed. I mean, you cannot get closer to a person than their breath. That's either really great 
are really awful, depending on the context. I don't know if you've ever been on a packed train and you can literally taste the person (laughs) next to you. Like there's something so intimate about breath, isn't there, right? But this is the picture that the Bible is painting us here, that the Bible is the very words. That's why it's using the word breath. Pastor Paul, when he was preaching about worship, was talking to us about breath and how when we speak, it is, it is like breath going over, it's like going over the vocal cords and they're vibrating. And when you whisper, it's just the sound of the breath. And that was such a powerful picture to me because he was trying to make a point of how intimate it is when you whisper. And yet the Bible says of itself that it is the, it is the, the it's God breathed. So the lifelong struggle that the church has had, which is what is God saying? Those major junctions in your life where you're like, oh God, I need you to speak to me whilst you're holding his actual words in your hands, under your arm, closed, at the bottom of your bag, gathering dust, saying, God, would you speak to me? Listen, it's the words of God. So read the book. Of course, of course we want an angelic visitation. Of course we want, you know, angels river dancing on the duvet. Of course we want, you know, something in nature to just, you know, a tree to start to speak to us what God is saying, a burning bush. And, but actually, in the absence of that, while you're waiting for that, pick up the book and read the very words of God. We know it was written, penned, by man, but it is the actual words of God. 2 Peter chapter 121 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What this means to you and me is that we can know what God is saying. You can walk down the street with a big old smile on your face because you have behind the scenes access. You are eavesdropping on a conversation and you know, you got high level clearance. You got like MI5, MI6, FBI got nothing on you because you know what God is saying. And if people at your work say to you, how is it that you always seem to land on your feet? You say, it's because I know what God is saying, that's why. And when I know what God is saying, it gives me confidence, it gives me peace, it gives me joy that can't be measured. It's the Word, the Bible is the words of God. So read the book. That's why we come together around the Bible week in and week out. The problem is, is that there's multiple voices, multiple words spoken by multiple people and multiple sources competing with that voice. And the more you listen to those words, the less you seem to be able to absorb or take on board or walk in the permission that's given by those words. The Bible says of the enemy, the devil, right? It says that he is the father of lies. John 8, 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, and there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. A few years ago, we were in a difficult situation 
where a builder had ripped us off and then to top it all off, we got broken into. The Sunday between Christmas and New Year. And I'm telling you, this is a list of how I felt in that moment. I was heartbroken. I felt like a fraud. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor talking about the favour of God and this has happened to us. I was in despair. I felt like the house was falling down. I was ashamed that we'd been ripped off. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see any way of getting out. I felt like we deserved it. I felt like we deserved the stuff that was happening to us. That was the stuff. Those were the lies that I was listening to. And then a friend of a friend of a friend removed 50 times, whatever it was, text Zoe, my wife's called Zoe, just sat down here and said, I feel God wants you to know this scripture. So remember that list, heartbroken. I felt a fraud, despair. The house was falling down. I was ashamed. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. There was no way out. And I felt like we deserved it. Those were the lies. And this was the truth that countered that. And it changed our very position as a family. Isaiah 61 verse one says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Verse three says, to all who mourn in Israel will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities and so on. Goes to verse seven. Instead of your shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in the land and everlasting joy will be yours. And then if that wasn't enough, in verse eight, God says, I hate robbery. It was like God saying, yeah, it sucks that you got broken in. I hate it too. But listen to all that, what I've just promised. If you're going to listen to something, listen to the words of God. The third reason, and I've got loads more that I could say on it. I've got loads of scriptures that line up with different situations you might be in, but we'll have to do it another time. The third reason, this is really important. Why read the Word of God? It's for us. So read the book. Why do we do it? It's because it's for us. You could argue that the Bible was not written to us. When you read those letters in the New Testament, it says, you know, to, to the church in Philippi or to the church in Colossae. But the Bible, even though it may have been written to others, it's been written for us. What that means is, is that we have a responsibility to interpret the Bible to our lives. That's more than just asking, what does it mean to me? This is asking key questions and Pastor Glynn talked at length last Sunday night in our first discipleship night about how to read the Bible. One of the things that he said when we're trying to understand and interpret the Bible, if the Bible's written for us, then we have a responsibility to apply it. And one of the things that he said is we have to ask or, or um, explore what does it mean to him? Not what does it mean to me? The world, the enemy is not threatened by a book that you can just take and leave bits and just say, well, to me, I interpret it this way. And it's just kind of like, I, I think I can do that. I know it's a bit, no, no, no. We've got to ask, what does it mean to the original author? God. And to the original audience, the people that were reading the letters, for example, and make like, 
you know, I studied Shakespeare when I was at sixth form. And the study of Shakespeare, nobody cares what I think. If you want to understand Shakespeare, you have to understand what did he mean? And what did the original audience mean when they were receiving it? If it just comes down to just, just kind of like, well, yeah, I'll just see, see whatever. I'll just take bits, play pick and mix with the Bible. That's like receiving a wedding invitation that says the wedding is at 12 o'clock and you go in, well, I think it might be at one o'clock. You know, to me, to me, to me, like on that day, I think to me, probably what would be best, you know, what just feels right is that I have an extra hour in bed and I, I'm going to go to the wedding at one o'clock. You're going to miss it. And the original author is going to go, well, you missed it. They're going to be off for the photographs and you're going to be only enjoying that middle bit in the wedding after the service before the food. <laughs> That's all you got. The Bible is for us. So read the book. And the last one. And what we're going to do when I've shared this last one with you is we're going to stand together and we're going to sing that song, the new song, Take You At Your Word. And the whole church from front to back, left to right, we're all going to fumble our way through the words while we're still learning it together. But I want us to do it as a prophetic joint declaration that we're going to take God at His Word. The Bible is for us, but the fourth thing is that the Bible is for us. You can read the Bible on your own and you should, but there's something about being part of a community of faith that means the ability to do what I just said in the third point, which is apply the Word of God to your own life. There's such strength in doing that together. One of the other things Pastor Glynn said to us, that if you wanna understand the Bible, and he said this many times, one of the best things to do is step into the text. Think of yourself in that scenario. When we did, the, even, even on the non-narrative parts of the Bible, we've done that. So take in the context of the book of Philippians when we went through it, the book of Colossians when we went through it. Pastor Glynn spent an extensive amount of time giving us the background, the, the context, so that we could step into the text. But I want you to just see that the problem with doing that on your own is that you're never a Pharisee. But you're always Peter in the good bits. You read the book and you're not thinking, I'm a Pharisee. You're thinking, I'm Peter and I'm getting out the boat. I'm getting out the boat in my entrepreneurial endeavours and I am going to walk on water in Jesus' name. But when you read the Bible together, someone goes, you're actually, you're actually more like one of the disciples that stayed in the boat, terrified. You're Daniel, aren't you? You're not Nebuchadnezzar. You're walking amongst fire. But it takes our friend to say, it would seem as though you are more Nebuchadnezzar than you are Daniel in the way that you're acting, in the way that you're speaking. It would seem as though if you had an ounce of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's conviction, you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. So it's not just for us, it's for us. 
And so I wanna encourage you, when you're reading your Bible, when you're taking on the words of God, to look around you and say, thank God that I am part of something bigger than just me. And I know that is a phrase that I say from this platform in prayer, nearly every time I pray. When we take the offering, I always say, God, thank you that we get to be part of something bigger than just us. And you may roll your eyes and say like, come up with a new prayer, really. But the reason why I do it is because I'm trying to remind myself, my spirit and yours too, that we are part of something way bigger and we're better for it. So the Bible is not just for us, it's for us. What that means is that we have to come together around the Word of God. I wanna challenge you that in 2023, you would be a person who reads the book. I read the Bible in a year last year, as I guess many of you did, or at least started in January. This year, Zoe and I decided that with our kids, those that live at home, we would do the same thing, but this time would be different. So Zoe and Willow have committed to reading the Bible in a year together. Me and Parker, we're like, all right, we're gonna do it. And so we started doing it and we're doing it on the app and I, you know, we're kind of trying to get through it together. Why? Because we've gotta read the book. We've gotta read the book and we've gotta read it together. On New Year's Eve, when Glyn and Sophia stood up here and they were kind of getting us to say Scripture, those of you who were here will remember just how powerful that was. That's because the Bible is not just for us, it's for us. So you've got to read the book. Come on, I wonder if you would stand to your feet. If you have an actual Bible, take it in your hand. If you're reading your Bible on your tablet or on your phone, do me a favour, hold that in your hand. Take it out of your pocket, take it out of your bag, hold it in your hand. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna generate some faith and some conviction and then we're gonna sing this song and Mary's gonna get it so that by the end of the song, everyone will A, know the words or at least some of them and B, Joel is gonna teach us a dance move. I just told him now. So think of a dance move that everyone can do, right? Because you're like a dancer. I don't know why I chose Joel. It's not because he's a dancer, it's because he's like, he just has to do it because I told him to. So. so come on, hold your Bible, hold your phone, hold your tablet. And together, would you pray with me this prayer of commitment? Come on, Father, we just thank you that your word is powerful and, and unchanging. It's fixed, it's solid, it doesn't move, it's, it's immovable, it's indestructible, it's, 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 it's powerful, it's alive. God, would you help us to use your word like a lamp to our path and not the other way around. Save us from trying to put our worldview over and into and change your word by that. But instead, let this be the basis of our decisions. Let this be the, the, the flavour of our language. Let this be the, the, the glue in our relationships. Let this be the, the guide in our, in our steps of faith. Let this be the common thread that brings us together. Let this be the thing that resonates with each other. I pray for, for text messages and, and WhatsApp messages to be flying across the church over the next few weeks as people enjoy discovering the truth of Your Word and start encouraging people. And that powerful image of a sword that can divide and, 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 uh, and make a path 
and, and clear away will just be so evident in, in our day's church. I pray that as well as being people of prayer and as well as being worshippers and as well as those with the spiritual discipline of giving to you and putting you first in that area, God, we will be people of the Word. So that New Year's Eve 2023 into 24, we will be bigger and stronger in Jesus' Name. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 